This is Taylor Talk, the number one Taylor Swift podcast brought to you by taylortalk.org. What's up, guys? This is Adam, and we have something very exciting planned for you right here on episode 190 of Taylor Talk, the Taylor Swift podcast. So, as we are only 10 episodes away from 200, we realized, well... We're a bit over the hill, approaching our fourth birthday, uh, 10 away from our 200th episode. We're getting pretty old here. So, we have a lot of content that we've put together over the last four years, and it occurred to us recently that many people out there have not had a chance to listen to any of the older stuff. And it's interesting because even some of our regular listeners who subscribe and listen to every single episode have not always heard a lot of the back catalog. So... This episode is going to introduce the very first Taylor Talk Classic. If you can think of a better name, just let me know. I think Taylor Talk Classic kind of works, though. But anyway, so the way this is going to work, guys, is every once in a while, either me, Diane, or Steve, our hosts here on the show, are going to go back through our catalog and pick a favorite episode that you may not have had a chance to hear before. So in this case this week, it is an episode I talk about all the time that I want to play for you guys, a classic episode. It is called All the Guys. This was the very first and one of the very few All Guys episodes, and it's really interesting, and it's a big episode in Taylor Talk history. It was actually a momentous occasion because it was the very first appearance of my good buddy and co-host Steve. This was, in fact, the first episode he ever appeared on Taylor Talk. It originally aired as episode 54 on March eleventh, two 2013. Now, with an All Guys panel, we were able to hit a lot of interesting discussion topics that you're about to hear in just a few minutes, like... You know, how can male listeners relate to songs written from a female perspective? What it's like being a guy in a predominantly female fan base? Um, Is it ever a little awkward being a guy in a crowd of young girls at a Taylor Swift concert? It's like, aww. Um, As well as things like on the business end of things with Taylor's things. She's been sponsored by Diet Coke, CoverGirl. CoverGirl is obviously a past one, so that's a little outdated. But it's still an important topic because we're like, Wait a sec. Why should we care about CoverGirl? CoverGirl does not appeal to us as guys. So, I don't want to hold you up too much. So, I am just going to get going and play you guys this episode. Ha! <laughs> this is going to be fun. It's time for Taylor Talk, the number one Taylor Swift podcast brought to you by the fan site, taylorswift13.org. Welcome to episode 54 of Taylor Talk, everybody. I am Adam, the host. Now, this is a special episode. As you guys remember last episode, I mentioned how we need a little bit more testosterone on the show. So all the girls got kicked off. No, I'm just kidding. They're not kicked off, but we have a special panel with us here today. We have Augustin, Eric, and Steve, all male Swifties. So if you guys want to introduce yourselves, I suppose we can start with Augustin. Hello, guys. Uh, so, Augustin here from uh, theswiftagency.com. I usually blog about Taylor Swift and the agency. And you'll realize pretty soon why I don't do audio. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh that, that sounds reassuring. Eric, you spoke up. Who are you? I spoke up. I'm Eric. And uh, you may be familiar with me. People may be familiar with me from uh, two of the other podcasts I do. Mugglecast. 
over at MuggleNet.com and uh, Game of Owns, a Game of Thrones podcast, talking about the latest fantasy literature stuff, and uh, that's just what I do, and I'm happy to be here. And you conveniently grew up like 10 miles from Taylor. Yes, but I didn't know it. Otherwise, I would have taken her to prom, or at least asked her out, right? Can't can't hurt to, to ask, right? <laughs> Except that she was already in... She was already in Tennessee by the time she got to high school, so... Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so... Anyway. And last but certainly not least, Steve. Hi, Steve. Hey, how's it going? This is Steve Ditch. Um, big fan of being on Twitter, uh, chatting things up there with uh, fellow Swifties. Uh, you may have seen some of my videos on YouTube that I've taken from Taylor concerts. Big Taylor videographer here. Don't, don't be modest. Don't, say that. don't be modest. <laughs> I've used your stuff, Steve, on my channel. Come on. Yeah. yeah, I've used your videos on uh, TaylorSwift13.org as well. So, excellent. Yeah, no, your videos are your videos are fantastic. So, just a quick announcement before we get started. I promised everybody a very special surprise for our one millionth download, and that's going to be delayed because I'm going to Panama next week. So you guys are without me for a couple weeks. Sorry, <laughs> it happens. But <laughs> moving on with the episode, it is like. This is a great honor to have Augustine here to do the calendar for us because if you guys have been to his blog, theswiftagency.com, he has probably the most comprehensive, amazing, updated Taylor Swift calendar I have ever seen, and we quite often use his material here on the show, so he deserves a lot of credit for that. So, Augustine, if you don't mind giving us the upcoming calendar, that'd be great. Hey, no problem. So this will be the calendar for from directly from the swiftagency.com no actually <laughs> <laughs> i'm yes my uh, shameless plug sorry guys so coming up on march 13 um what is it that is coming up on march 13 you guys know i think there's a tour of somebody so i often call her the, tar- the sparkly dress but now she's forever the princess in red she's kicking off in omaha nebraska uh, and she uh, just discussed this with Entertainment Tonight. She said, uh, I really like to think that a good concert can be like a good book. It can take you away. It can take you to a different place and help you escape. And I think that's the main goal for me, helping the fans escape, if only for just one night. But that one night is going to last forever. So, uh, yeah, March 14 is the date. It's marked it in your calendars if it's not there i know you already have tickets everyone listening on <laughs> and if you don't please know that they'll no i'm sorry <laughs> they're from the swiftagency.com this is why i don't do audio guys and from taylor talk uh, we'll be reporting on the proceedings so that's this wednesday night wednesday that is night. super cool it's oh, coming up very soon i wanted to ask about this quote this helping the fans to escape what are the fans escaping from into taylor? life Life? Life. So are we saying that no happy people go to see Taylor Swift? Oh, no, no, no. no. Happy people do. But oh, okay. it's a kind of an escapist fantasy kind of – like uh, theater because yeah. it is very theatrical. Always. Well, I, yeah, and I, I, I regrettably haven't seen her in concert yet, but I do want to because I get the sense from seeing the Grammys and seeing the CMAs that she really you know, puts on a good show and she's great live. Yes, she is. So – Oh, most definitely. I mean, the music's great, and then also just the, the set design. I mean, she comes up with all of that stuff, and it's just unbelievable. That's got to be fun to, to figure out. It's always a huge production with acrobatics, dancers, obviously singing. Taylor sings. That's what she does. You know, it's just got a huge production. So definitely, Eric, I know you live in Chicago. If you can make it out to her Chicago show, go for it. Do you have the date on that? Does Augustine, when is she in Chicago? <laughs> 
Oh, <laughs> put me on the stop. I put you on the spot. On the sorry. Spot. No problem. Uh, let me see Chicago. Chicago. You might. You guys might want to talk while I'm doing this. Go ahead. Was it August 10th? Saturday, August 10th. You just put that out there, or you knew that? That's cool. No, I think that's fairly accurate. It is in August. Okay. August 10th. Wait, see, that's Augustin, ex- it's even in your month. It's in your yes. month. <laughs> yeah, it's on August 10th at the Soldier Field in Chicago, Lino, and it's on sale now. Well, Soldier, oh, it's on sale now. Oh, that means it's sold out now, is what that means. Yes. Uh, it's on sale. I. You might want to try... That place, but at this point, you probably want to see Stop Hub if you want to yeah. get a, like a better ticket or something. Yeah, well, that's five months. Well, the stadium shows don't always sell out as quick, just because I mean, there's just so much so more many, seating. Yeah, that's that's, that's a good true. point. Well, it's five months from the date we're recording this, so hopefully in five months I'll be back on the show reviewing that concert. There you go. That'd be nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That'll be fun. Have, have Eric, the famous, the very famous Eric Skull, back on the show. I'm just pleased to be here once, you know, Adam. I know you and we go way back to, like, 06. And so it's great to finally be able to support what you do because you're always supporting what we do. Yeah, buddy. So, of course, moving along with the episode, the next thing in line is going to be the news. And Steve and Eric have kindly volunteered for the task. So, Steve, why don't you uh, get us started on the news? Well, one of the great things, uh, especially for someone like myself who's going to be attending the uh, CMA Music Festival that's in Nashville every year, um, Taylor will be performing again this year. She wasn't there last year, but she was there the year before that. Um, If anybody ever gets a chance to go down to Nashville during that time of year, it's always like about the first week in June. You definitely, it's everybody that's anybody in country music is there performing. It's like four days of concerts. You know, all the big names perform, uh, and it's it's a great trip. There's all sorts of other activities going on. All the smaller artists are performing throughout the day, just activities downtown. It's a, it's a great time. So she is scheduled for that. That'll be June 6th through the 9th, and um, tickets are still available. Uh, you can check out cmaworld.com for more information. Thanks, Steve. Eric, you want to finish this off? Yes, this month, uh, meaning – actually, no – April, I guess it's the April cover, but uh, Taylor Swift's featured on the cover of two magazines, uh, Vanity Fair being one of them, and the other being InStyle UK. For InStyle UK, not only did Taylor pose for some gorgeous photos, but she also sat down for an interview, and in the interview, we have a quote uh, from it, and she discusses her biggest fear as an artist. Should I read this? Yes, go ahead. Okay, I don't have a Taylor accent, though, because I, I, I don't know her well enough. But um, anyway, she... <laughs> you don't you don't want, not don't even listen for Adam because I in one of our recent episodes of Taylor Talk he did his Taylor voice and it was wow. Well, Eric, in all, all fairness, she was born in Pennsylvania. You were born in Pennsylvania, so just yeah. do your Pennsylvania. We've accent established this. Order. Okay, we have the same accent. Okay, quote. Yes. I don't want to end up being awful and intolerable alone, laying in a marble bathtub by myself, like sad with a glass of wine, just complaining that my life ended up alone because I pushed everyone away because I thought I was too good to hang out with anybody. End quote. Do you know what I think is kind of funny about that quote? It's, it's kind of bad because some of the tabloids kind of ripped on Taylor for it. But they, they called it like first world problems. They're like, oh, that's the saddest life, being sprawled out in a big marble bathtub. <laughs> you see, I'm pretty sure that when she said that quote, I think she 
first I think she was smiling. I think she was laughing at herself at that when she said it. But also she was kind of illustrating the fact that she kind of overanalyzes everything and thinks about the worst possible scenario and then comes back to it and thinks all over it again. And I'm pretty sure she even like moved her hand to, you know, to, to say that she was raising, raising her, her glass or whatever. I don't think she she meant it, you know, literally. I'm depressed as I'm saying this kind of thing, you know. Mm. But the tabloids. <laughs> She's also mentioned about uh, being. She didn't want to be, you know, or she would be the uh, cat lady. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> cat lady someday. She's mentioned that. So I mean, that, that kind of stuff. I mean, it just goes with that sort of territory. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other bit of news that we have is that on March 9th, which was yesterday. Um, Taylor's performance for Let's Dance for Comic Relief aired on the BBC One. She's done a lot of stuff for Britain. We got the stuff in the UK and BBC One. Anyway, you can check out that video of her performing that song 22 on uh, the episode guide to this episode. And uh, I saw that. That was actually a really cool video. It was a really cool video. Really, She's really moving on, I would say, to uh, bigger and better things. You'd but it's not that I don't like her old stuff anymore. I still enjoy it. But I like also the new look. And that's a real fun song, too. That's, that's a, you know, you, you hear that song, you just want to dance around, have a good time, which, which I think is probably what we're going to see when the video gets released. Yeah, I would say it's a happier dance routine. It will definitely then. Then I knew you were troubled, you know. I knew your trouble was a has more darker theme. But uh, at the same time, I don't know. It kind of feels a little bit more lighter for some reason or i don't know i find it funnier than the than the that we are never going to get back together which has kind of a bit of a pointy stick <laughs> to it yeah a so 22 bit. is kind of carefree just huh? a little bit yeah just <laughs> like ever <laughs> yeah well did anybody had a chance to look at the video because i i i, I kind of you, you're seeing semblances of the tour as we, as we see the performances, and I, I always felt like, and I think Taylor has even said this. Actually, she has now that I think about it. Uh, she kind of tries out ideas, like when remember when she sang a love story. Uh, somebody correct me if it wasn't the CMAs or the ACMs. I'm not quite sure. Uh, when she first tries the love story with the dress transformation, that became later the love story performance for the fearless tour the same way i think these performances that we're seeing are going to be incorporated in the red tour but of course blown up several notches high you know no i think you're 100 percent right particularly like that circus sort of feel it's almost yes. like a cirque du soleil actually uh and i think that will be incorporated into her uh red tour performances but to answer your question, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm even watching the video now of her performing 22, and I I think it looks cool. Like obviously the lights behind her in the screen, she's wearing white, everyone else is wearing black, but they're all energetic and they got some actually more than one acoustic guitar up on the stage. I think it's a good time, you know, it looks good. I I really couldn't compare it to too many of her other stage performances because I I haven't watched all that many of them to be honest. But I think it's it's very high energy and it's very she seems to be having a lot of fun doing it and her backup dancers seem to be having a lot of fun. And you know the other thing about her backup dancers that I want to point out is they look like normal women. They look like totally normal women. They're not scantily clad. They're not supermodel kind of idealized body versions of themselves. They just look like normal girls having a fun time and they can dance, you know. They they it's not like they're not trained or anything. Now if any of her dancers happen to come across this episode of Taylor Talk, they're going to come slap you in the face for not saying they're Supermodels. I'm saying it's not the over-idealized Hollywood versions of themselves. I think anybody. I know, I'm can, giving you a hard time. Everybody. <laughs> yeah, of course. Saying. We 
but they're still beautiful. Of yes. Yes. <laughs> cool. So, um, thanks for helping me out with the uh, news and calendar guys panel. So for the all guys panel, I mean, that was it. We'll see you guys later. Oh, okay. Up too bad. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, oh, we're still. Um, darn it. I, I, I still got you. You're still mine. Uh, but we are going to get into the nitty gritty now. We're going to make you laugh, cry, all that fun stuff, hopefully. And give, you know, the majority. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys will believe this, but the majority of Taylor Talk listeners are actually female. Really? Wow. Isn't that weird? Yes, it is. I think about 90% female. Very bizarre. So I wanted to give them all some insight into being one of the few, one of the proud, not one of the Marines, but one of, one of the males in the Taylor Swift fan community. So I, I just wanted to start off by asking you guys each individually, like how you became Taylor fans in the first place. Okay, I'll start. Um, well, myself, it's going to be, I've never actually told, tell anybody this, uh, I didn't start uh, with Taylor Swift, actually. I started, It's for me, it was a bit of an experiment that I was doing. I was trying to get into blogging. And I was picking up on interviews. And uh, it was interviews of, across different shows. And, uh, of course, you end up with celebrities, and I end up laughing. And I picked up on the interviews with Taylor Swift. And strangely enough, it took me a while to remember that I actually had heard her stuff before. And at one point, I actually... I had thought about even buying her album, but then I kind of like took a look at the cover and I was like, it wasn't country music. And I was thinking, do I really into country music? And, and I passed. And suddenly it, it, came, it came back as I started blogging because I was like, well, I should pick up a subject and whatever. And I started looking at the Taylor Swift interviews and I liked her. I loved her. So at some point, yeah, well, nobody wants to hear me write about her. And somehow I decided, you know what, let's combine the two because I'm just, otherwise I'm doing the same thing that I should be doing. And I started just writing it, just writing a couple of articles. And it, this is back in 2009. So uh, Fearless uh, album was already out. It was out by 2008. But uh, by 2009, the Planet Doom edition was coming up. And I don't know, I got into it and I got into the fandom and I loved her and... Uh, End up meeting a lot of you guys. End up meeting a, a couple of people from the agency as well. That cool. was so cool. Very that cool. That was me. Steve, you're next, buddy. All right. Well, I I pretty much, once uh, Tim McGraw came out, I was familiar with it. I liked the song. I enjoyed hearing it on the radio. Uh, really, the one song that got me into Taylor was our song. I mean, I think, it was number one, it was a great song, a great video. And, you know, everyone always talks about having, you know, their song with their significant other and that kind of stuff. And, and really no one else was really putting music out there that really kind of was talking to those sort of things. And I was like, wow, this is good stuff. So, I mean, I had been a pretty big fan there, but I, it wasn't until after the Speak Now album came out and right before the Speak Now tour started that I decided I was like, you know what, why don't I go to a concert? You know, and I think maybe that's part of the, the guy thing. It's like, oh, guys don't go to Taylor Swift concerts. <laughs> Except right? for us. I mean, Except for us, yes. But, but, I mean, initially, like, 
unless that's the only thing I'm thinking of. I don't know if you guys thought that before you went to your first Taylor Swift show where you go, you know, hey, am I supposed to be here? Is this is this right for guys to go to this show? Well, I, I went to a uh, Michael Bublé show, and there were all older women there, and I was, like, the only boy there, so I felt pretty uncomfortable there. So I, I think I'd be fine at a Taylor Swift concert. You know, I think what it comes down to, Steve, is guys that go to a Taylor Swift concert are actually the smart ones because look who's surrounding you. Yeah, there you go. As a matter of fact, uh, fact that finding Steve there and uh, finding a couple of other of other ma- male fans there also helped helped each other kind of feeling less comfortable. That's actually how the three of us met. Mm-hmm. Yes, originally was at oh. uh, Taylor's show in New York. Yes, it's true. Oh, uh, we should we should let uh, Eric uh, talk about how he became a Taylor fan. Oh, mine's not not too exciting. I think I'm still in the process, guys, of becoming a Taylor fan. To be honest, I, I I think that's I'm just I'm just discovering it, and it's these new things. I mean, I I knew her for like past couple of years, you know, and not personally, but I knew of her. And um, finding out that she grew up uh, or spent some of her formative years uh, just outside of Reading, where I lived in Pennsylvania, um, was super exciting. And she went to the other school district than me, so it's not like she went to my school. But I think it's cool, you know. I I have a feeling of local pride whenever I hear a story that's positive about Taylor Swift and what she's doing. Um, just because I think it's cool that somebody important came from the area of the woods that I grew up in. And you know what? I think that that is something that I aspire to probably too. So who knows? But, uh, I, I definitely like her. I think she's got a good thing going. I think she's very talented. I'm actually glad that you're just a budding Taylor Swift fan right now. Cause you're going to provide a unique perspective through the rest of this conversation that those of us who have been around for a while cannot. No pressure. No pressure. Thanks Adam. There's no pressure. It's just a conversation. We're just chit-chatting. Yeah, okay. Okay. But it is also very important for for new Taylor fans to, you know, or fans that want to become Taylor fans Mm -hmm. to to find out about her. And, you know, because there's going to be people that grow out of Taylor Swift one way or another, maybe just don't get into her music anymore, maybe, you know, might have been into a certain type of songs that she was doing before. She's not doing as much anymore. But, you know, you always have to have that new blood coming in to keep an artist, uh, you know, at the top of the chart. That's it's true, and that's what they're aiming for. So, especially, but I'd say, I don't know, uh, for uh, for us, uh, I don't I don't want to necessarily call myself a hard, hard, hard die-hard fan. <laughs> but I would say I, I actually came up with the idea that I call myself the Taylor Geek. <laughs> and simply because for me it's not about owning things from Taylor Swift but knowing things from Taylor Swift ah. and uh, and uh, it's it's kind of a kind of a two-sided sword because the other side of it is that I don't I can't, I don't get the chance to buy a lot of Taylor Swift stuff <laughs> so a lot of people are like yeah I'm a Taylor geek too because yeah I have this poster that I got from a magazine and that's about it because I can't get get her stuff over here or things like that right mm-hmm. but um yeah and Taylor has says, has said that he she wants to she wants to she has always called herself a spillover rather than a crossover because she he, she wants to get new fans from everywhere right and she's happy to get us she's happy to get guys and she's happy to get new blood so Eric welcome thank you I I actually really feel welcome thank you and. It- Augustine, if you're speaking of merchandise, I do have to throw something out there that's semi-off-topic, but also on-topic. So, um, my good friend Eric, who's here in the conversation with us, he did something very special to make my 25th birthday very special. Do you know what he did? 
the Taylor Swift cutout from Walgreens? He did. He sent me the life-size Taylor Swift cutout from Walgreens for a birthday gift, and I was so happy, and I appreciate that, Eric, so much, in fact, that I am calling you out on the air right now to say thank you for that. Oh, there there's go. a picture, what, on, uh, I think Eric's, uh, he tweeted about I tweet, it. Yeah, you tweeted it to me, I think, Adam, or something like that, but uh, I wanted to ask Augustine, the calendar man, because I wanted to figure out when it was that I first saw those standees in Walgreens for the album uh, that came out, because it was part of her, her red album, they had the shirts and the displays at Walgreens, but I think it was like November or something, I was at a concert, oh yeah, I was at a Regina Spectre concert, that's actually funny that I should bring that up, because... I really enjoyed that concert. But um, next door to the Chicago Theater on State Street, I was in a Walgreens, and it's this brand-new Walgreens, brand-newly renovated. They had this Taylor standee, and immediately I thought, I don't know when Adam's birthday is. I don't know anything about it, but this is for him. He needs this. And, of course, like Walgreens wouldn't let me take it because it's for their display. So I went to the manager, and I was like, hey – you know, when is this coming down in the hopes that eventually I should be able to procure it? And the guy was like, yep. uh, February. So I'm like, oh. So like three, four months later, I, I had to keep going into Walgreens, keep checking, keep checking, you know, to see if they were they were gone. And then it was the scariest thing. All of a sudden they were almost all gone in all of Chicago. I go to a lot of Walgreens uh, through work and stuff. And then I found one and then it's now it's yours. So. Long story short. Uh, my pleasure, Adam. I knew that you're into Swifty. And if I had known Stephen Augustine, I would have gotten you guys one, too. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. We're going to have a moment here. Okay, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> and moving on. Um, but, yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Adam. I think it's nice, and I, I hope that you like it. And I hope she fits in well with Shaq and Michael Jordan. Your other, she does. Your uh, other standees she on does. the wall. She, she's a little bit shorter. I, I do have life-size Michael Jordan, Shaq, and Kobe cutouts. And I stood Taylor next to Shaq. And can I tell you, like, everybody talks about how tall a woman Taylor is, but she is nothing compared to Shaq. I really want to see those pictures. That's the picture I want to see, Adam, is, is, is like, Taylor next to your other cardboard cutouts. It's partially, that's partially the precedent for why I even thought of a, you with a cardboard cutout is because I know you have Michael Jordan protecting your nightmares or whatever. <laughs> nice. Well, who better to protect you in your sleep than Michael Jordan? Yeah. Well, isn't he hanging over your bed directly? Eric, are you really calling me out on this, like, on, on my show? You're going to embarrass me like this? That's not that's not embarrassing, dude. Michael Jordan, Space Jam, man. That's a great movie. He's the, he was, like, the best basketball player of all yeah. time. That's There's nothing mean. wrong with it. I'm not trying to call you out. I'm just saying, in general, you have other standees in your room, which is why I thought it would be okay to send you a Taylor Swift standee. That's because he's a stand-up guy. Yeah, there you go. Oh, there you go. Woo, nice seg. Yeah, segue. Let's move on. So let's talk a little bit about the songs because this is going to be an interesting thing. I think we can provide all our female listeners some insight into the psyche of a male Swifty in that if I were a female Swifty, I would wonder how can males relate to these songs because they are very much written from a female perspective. Yeah, but you know what? Um, I think it's also there. There are some of them, and there's a lot of them that are universal in the sense of you can relate as she's talking about. You know, well, especially for me, it would come in the beginning. The because I kind of uh, 
knew the Fearless album, and then I discovered like the other album, which was a little bit harder to get here in Canada, uh, was uh, that a lot of her songs incorporate, you know, uh, these a scenario. She sets a tone. In that case, she's a storyteller, right? Mm-hmm. So you can still appreciate the story. You can still, of course, recognize, you know, driving around in a truck. You recognize, of course, not letting your girl drive your car. What the hell? <laughs> Things like that, you know? <laughs> of course, I'm kidding. Uh, but um, what I mean is there are a lot of the songs that kind of relate in such an universal way that it doesn't matter really. A lot of people have mentioned the fact that even though that she writes from her perspective, she it's open enough that people of different ages groups as well can actually relate to it, which being one of the older people here, <laughs> I have to mention. And also for guys... You can take the other perspective, you know, I'm saying, ooh, yeah, I kind of have done that. I shouldn't have, right? Because I, and on the other hand, he said, no, 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 no. I would have never done that to Taylor, you know, things like that. I think Augustine's right. I think it's great analysis. I mean, she is a storyteller predominantly in, in songs. Her songs are stories. Her songs tell a story. They're not just hung up on having some kind of catchy beat, you know, like they actually tell a story. They evoke emotion that I think is pretty universal. Although, you know, we'll get into it a little later, but I think some of her lyrics and some of her songs I do have to pass off as being a girl thing. Um, you know, I, I just certain attitudes and stuff. I admire her, and I think she's extremely talented. She has a gorgeous voice. But, you know, some of her songs I know weren't necessarily written with me particularly in mind. Um, and so I do have to concede that sometimes because, you know... It's just insight into her as a person. I think that's that's important. There's something very personal about Taylor's music, and it's shocking that it's so you know known, so it's it's so successful because it is quite personal. And I'm sure she she probably has talked about this in interviews and stuff before. But people, the whole reason half of Hollywood's trying to figure out who whether or not she's talking about Prince Harry or the, the Harry guy that she she's talking about in her, her newest song. <laughs> people are always trying to people are always trying to. Pin that down. You know what I'm saying? People are always trying to figure out who the, who it is she's talking about. Like way back to Alanis Morissette and whether she's talking about Dave Couillet or not. And you ought to know. You know, it's it's like that. People are obsessed with her personal life as a result of the way she opens herself up in her lyrics to those kinds of comments. Because she, she, she writes like she's singing it from her heart. Well, it's part of the mystery, I think. I think that's what people really kind of get into is, oh, what's this about? Or, you know, if they can kind of see what, you know, she's gone through. But, I mean, most of her songs are usually about love, relationships, and life. And, believe it or not, guys do have those sort of things that they're familiar with, too. So, Wait, what? You know, guys A lot of the songs definitely relate. What? We do? Yeah. <laughs> guys don't love anything. We're emotionless. <laughs> We're emotionless yeah, monsters. <laughs> but something I thought of, based on what Eric said, actually, was, you know, sometimes the lyrics, we can't relate to them. And... I think Taylor can actually, she has a knack for compensating with something else, like the music. For example, one of my favorite songs right now is 22. Now, I could never in my wildest dreams relate to a a group of girls having some sort of slumber party type situation. I've never been in one of those situations. But the music is so upbeat and catchy, I can still love the song and have a dance party to it and not even worry about what the lyrics mean. Well, yeah, just you, you mentioned you mentioned 22, like the opening lines. It feels like a perfect night to dress up like hipsters and make fun of our exes. Uh, 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 uh. I, I think there is a sense of female empowerment or entitlement to the way she speaks sometimes uh, or the way she sings these songs, the way these songs are written. And I admire that just as a, as a guy. And that's not in a condescending way. I think it is – there's something quite – 
powerful about her what is it i'm trying to think of um meredith brooks right i'm a bitch was that her yeah Yeah. like it's just this outright it's this outright empowerment song where it's like this that the other thing we are women hear us roar and i like that about her i think it's really cool and i can see why people respond to that despite uh a lot of the media focus on which song is this about you know i think for us guys it's or perhaps uh, me personally i would just say that uh for me it's just that the songs are good they're talented because I can hear I can hear songs that are heart wrenching and heartbreaking from a woman's perspective and still feel you know uh, affected by them. You know, on the you other hand, you can relate. On the other hand, you kind of relate to it also. On the other way, you know, I will mention the you know when Carrie Underwood sings about you know uh, uh, scratching his <laughs> it's scratching in some guy's truck. You know, <laughs> and and, and, and her name in it. You're kind of yeah. You're kind of like going the other way around. It's like oh my god, my car, you know? Yeah, yeah. well, you're the guy so, thinking, oh my god, I better not cheat because some girl is going to exactly. carve her name into like, I'm like Exactly, but, yeah. the, <laughs> but despite that, I also think that she's talented on her own right, even to the point that I'd say sometimes the media focuses too much. Oh, which is the song is about? Does it matter? The song is good. Yeah. You're thinking about the inspiration. What about the final result? The song is good. The song won, uh, won a Grammy. Oh, come on. Uh, let's give it for the song itself rather to think okay is it about this guy or about this guy? i don't give i i mean i don't care so i won't like the fact that it sounds good and it's a good song so i think what it comes down to is the easiest way for males to relate to those songs from a female perspective is to appreciate it as a good song and not necessarily to break down the lyrics and be like, oh, I can relate to everything Taylor's going through because as guys, we can't always do that. Well, I think what Steve is saying too, which is really insightful, is that you know we have girlfriends, we have wives, we have sisters that are going to go through the things that Taylor's talking about. Um, and through them, we can also relate to these problems. And you know, there's two sides to a relationship. We can identify with the pain that some other dude caused Taylor you know, to write this song. So I think that's that's something that's just part of the human condition. We can be empathic too. We're we're just dudes. So here's an interesting question I want to pose to you guys as well. Speaking of the content of the songs, is do you think Taylor ever unfairly represents guys yes. in her songs? Once or twice. Once or twice I've felt like that when I've first heard her song. Like um what is it? We are never getting back together. Let me find the lyrics here. Uh bear with me. Oh, it's the way she says, okay, in the um, in the spoken lyrics of We Are Never Getting Back Together, the way she says, uh, so he calls me up and he's like, I still love you. And I was just like, oh, man. it's, it's just, I, felt, uh, I felt for whatever guy was like, you know, really laying it out on the line, like, I still love you, I want you back. I don't know. It's just certain quirks, certain attitude things. I occasionally think she's picking on dudes. But whatever, well, that's her right. Yes, but uh, and she is, she is speaking on this. But yeah. I think she's also given us our fair share. You know, Tim McGraw was a a great song, and it's a song about she has to leave this guy because she's going somewhere else, right? So, and and she's remembering all the good things. Mm-hmm. I often think that, uh, and this is just a personal thing. Uh, for well, forever and always was is actually the only song in which she has confirmed that it's about one person, right? 
I always call him the 27 second guy. Anyway. <laughs> Is that and, what you call Oh, God. Yeah. She did not and, she reference that in the song of hers. Eric, Eric, get your mind out of the gutter. It's not what you think, although I have a feeling that sometimes I think that's exactly... Anyway, <clears throat> so it turns out that uh, that she also wrote another song that has been attributed, and I do think it fits, which is The Last Kiss. Uh, the Last Kiss or Last Kiss? Somebody help me here. Last Kiss, I think. Anyway, uh, and in the, in, the, in the hidden lyrics for Last Kiss are forever and always, so that's why I think I'm on the right track here. In which is a kind of a more matured, more goodbye kind of thing, in which she kind of like says goodbye for real, because she kind of reconciles. Okay, this is what happened. I remember the good things, and it's not about a reconcilement as you know, I want to see you again. It's more about reconcilement out. We had a good thing. It was a good thing. Goodbye, right? So I think she does give us our fair share in a lot of songs. Although I would say that people a lot of times focuses more on the more intensive, the more controversial, the more let's twist the song into what it can be kind of thing. And not the slow songs, which are good, really. I guess guess the the thing that might worry some dudes about Taylor is that she's calling us out sometimes. Like, if Joe Jonas really did break up with Taylor Swift in 27 seconds over the phone, that shows a little carelessness, and it's not like... I mean, it's not like he can't survive being thrown under the bus by her. She just wrote a song by him, you know, about him. Yeah. But I, I think ultimately it's about the human condition and about people kind of explaining what other people are all about. It's the way that we communicate, the way we relate to each other. And that's what Taylor sings about. It's the, I mean, more than it just being one, her and one guy. It's the fact that any guy could do that to any girl and yeah. all those other implications. So I was thinking one last thing on the representation of males in her songs that I wanted an opinion on is I kind of see her songs as being, what's the word? They're very like traditional in the sense that like traditional male female roles. And we don't really necessarily live in that society right now. So I was kind of thinking that maybe males are misinterpreted from that perspective because she's looking for a, a Prince Charming to sweep her off her feet. And while that still exists, it's not quite in the same sense that it did, you know, 50 years ago where, you know, we, we lived in the day where the husband went to work, the wife was a stay-at-home mom, and those traditional roles. And I feel like her songs are kind of from that perspective. Like, am I alone on that? Uh, no, no. I've noticed that she tends to pursue uh, – I'm not going to go call them stereotypes because stereotypes have a negative connotation, but kind of like the – tradition most traditional roles in the songs and some people react negatively to that but i think she expands a bit on that because in the old days it was especially if uh if you look at a love story or you belong with me and it 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 talks about the princess the castle the the unicorns and stuff um i think she does i think she kind of like starts with that but there's a lot of other songs like in which you can tell that she uh like she loves a guy, but she knows she shouldn't be with him. It's it's a little bit less archetypical roles and a little more like things that happen now. When you know, for instance, the, the girl that falls for the wrong guy, and we have we may have not been the the neither of those in the in the equation, but we can actually see our friends. Oh, why are you going out with him if you already know that he has like a bad rep? You know, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Like I knew you were trouble. Yes, it gets a, it gets a little bit more complicated, I guess, is what you're saying as her music d- develops. Mm-hmm. 
That's good. Yeah, that's good. Uh, it's, evo- it's evolution. I mean, that's one of the important pieces is her music, as she's gone along, has changed to, you know, be more what's happening in her life. Okay, so here's an odd question for you guys. Eric, I know you can definitely pull from your experience in the Harry Potter fan world oh, for this question as well. But what do you guys think about being a guy in a predominantly female fan base? Because I know we were tying in earlier a little bit about being that uh, one guy surrounded by a thousand girls at a Taylor Swift concert. So, I don't know. Uh, what do you guys think? It's, it's not a problem. Girls don't have cooties, you know? Like, it's, it's really not a big deal. Yeah, I think it's for uh, for guys. I think uh, sometimes uh, we, we it might seem, but it's not. I mean, uh, unless you're really shy about girls, you just uh, talk to them. It's just uh, you're basically a part, another person in the audience. So I don't necessarily, you know, just uh, talk to one each group or one particular what particular gender. You can talk to everyone. Mm-hmm. So once you hit that, especially when you start talking about Taylor. Yeah. Because in the beginning, I think, and I don't know, perhaps the, the guys would identify with this. In the beginning, you're kind of shy about other people. For instance, especially if you're waiting for a concert and they're just talking about a song or whatever. And then you have a thought or an idea that you want to interject or whatever. Sometimes uh, in the beginning, I would like hush up and say, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to come off as a creep because all guys have this thing about I don't want to seem like a creep in front of a group of girls, right? But at the same time, the moment that you start talking, that vanishes. It, I mean, at least it has vanished for me. If you know what you're talking about, yes. rather than that, just, just that saying stuff off the top of your head that you don't know about, right? Instead, you kind of like at that point you, I'm gonna say just just use this phrase for a bit. You kind of come out of the sparkly guitar <laughs> and say, "Hey, oh, this and that," and then people realize, "Oh no, he's a fan," because a fan would know that, right? Adam, you asked about the experience with Harry Potter. Harry Potter also has a Largely female-based, too. Um, I think in general, though, if you're part of a fandom, um, you share that one common passion, and that dissolves any walls that you would normally put up if you were just around strangers at any other event other than a Taylor concert or a book release or anything like that. Nicely put. Well, here's what made me think of it, is earlier in the episode, Augustine and Steve, when we were briefly mentioning going to the Speak Now shows and things like that, you both... I believe, expressed concern about how it felt slightly uncomfortable at first. Yes. So what what do you think would cause that discomfort, though? The part of it is the perspective. You know, you have people, you know, I have friends in that that, you know, I say, hey, I'm going to a Taylor Swift concert, and they look at me and they think I'm crazy. It's like, well, aren't girls supposed to go to that? I mean, it kind of feeds into the stereotypes of it. But, you know, once you get to a concert like that, you know, there's tons of people. They have similar interests to you. You have a good time. I mean... But from the outside world, you kind of there's an you know they try to put it in a box and say oh well this is every Taylor fan is between this age and this age and they're female and I mean that's one of the things that lately we've seen change because you know she seems to be appealing to an older fan base maybe one that's a little more pop and a little less country you know when she's not in that nice little box then they don't know what to do like in terms of the media which is good. Yeah, keep them guessing. I never felt uncomfortable going to a Taylor Swift concert. No, you, you don't. Why. You you love being the only guy. You love being the only guy in the room, Adam. Go, Adam. <laughs> well, it is kind of interesting being a grown man at a Taylor Swift concert that is not, in fact, a chaperone dad. I mean, of course, one of the reasons being Taylor has a song for chaperone dads, but not for us. What about the guys mm-hmm. in the audience, right? She has a song for chaperone dads. 
There is. It's called Chaperone Dads. <laughs> oh, the one that he did for the Australian interviewers? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of my big concerns is there's not a lot of Taylor Swift male merchandise. Yes. Uh, right. Very true. I mean, one of the things that I did for the concerts that I went to is I actually made myself a Taylor Swift tie. It's a white tie and has you know a picture of Taylor Swift from the Speak Now tour on it. Yeah, that was pretty cool. You got some autographs on that, if I remember correctly. Uh, I did. Oh, wow. A lot. And that's the thing I hate about marketing. We were talking about this earlier, about fitting her into a box. You know, they're not going to mass produce men's style shirts when the audience to them, all by all of their logic and statistics, is predominantly female. It's not worth their money to cater to guys. So perhaps this is a particular instance where guys are the oddballs and so they're not going to figure it out. But you know what? Tie-dye and your own individual craftsmanship wins out nine times over ten anyway. How cool are you going to a concert, going to a public event with a made shirt, a shirt you made other than whether even if you had an officially mass-produced one, isn't it cooler every single time if you made it? It's true. Right, exactly. The same with the posters or anything else that people take to concerts with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, just anything. It just gives your own personal perspective on things, uh, what you think of Taylor and just your artistic ability. I mean, most Swifties in general are probably some of the most artistic people I know. It's like uh, glue guns and poster lights and <laughs> I mean that's and Sharpie markers. That's pretty much what a Swifty must have in their arsenal. Well, <laughs> I wore a uh, I wore a homemade T-shirt to the Speak Now shows that I went to. I wore it was a tie dye one, and it said, you know her song I Heart question mark. It wrote I Heart question mark. Then I put a big X over the question mark and wrote Taylor below it. Oh, there you go. See something simple like and that. And then conveniently nice. wrote the website URL across my back for everybody to see. <laughs> oh, and there we go. Shameless plug. <laughs> Shameless plug. Uh, another thing that that's uh, in terms of being a, a male fan uh, is when you purchase merchandise or, uh, for instance, female magazines. That's always a fun one to try to go into uh, a local Walmart yeah. and buy Vanity Fair. Who looks at you? Who watches you? I don't know. It just It's one of those things that just kind of, you know, I, it doesn't really matter when it comes down to it. I, I shouldn't care about what other people's opinions are on the subject, but it is just kind of, you know, different, I guess. Yeah, well, you kind of like stuff it between the two popular mechanics and a sports <laughs> illustrator. <laughs> you're, that you're also in there to buy because you're a man. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, if you, if you, I, I think it would be interesting just to read the text on the front covers of all the magazines she's been on ever. Because things like Cosmo have, like, the most ridiculous texts, like, clearly for women in front, like, 55 sex tips, this, that, the other thing. Like, Taylor Swift has nothing to do with it. She just happens to be on the cover of that magazine that month, and they're talking about yeah. all this other stuff. And so I think it would be awkward or possibly off-putting for guys who want to see, you know, the, all the Taylor picks. Like, in Vanity Fair, like, I wonder what's on the cover besides Taylor. Well, here's uh, here's the solution to all your problems, Steve and Eric. Self-checkout. There you go. <laughs> you can ring yourself up. You don't have to deal with a checker or cashier or anything like that. You just ring yourself up and be on your way. Nobody will ever see what you're buying. Unless you forget to take it with you. Yeah, I'll give you another solution, actually. Uh, you can buy digital, <laughs> which is actually easier to carry. Like, I, I got the, the digital versions on my tablet. <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> 
I'm not at that level of technical sophistication yet. I don't have Vanity Fair on my iPad, predominantly because I don't have an iPad. <laughs> but oh, there you I go. Know, I just like to have the the physical items. I mean, oh, yeah. I still I still purchase CDs. Um, I, I purchase a good bit of vinyl. Mm-hmm. I mean, that stuff to me is cool. Like the, they actually physically have it in your hands versus an electronic copy like an MP3. I'm with you there, especially with the vinyl. Do you know what, Steve? I'm glad you actually brought that up because. You know, when I did go to my very first Taylor concert, I did want to go home with a souvenir, and the majority of them are very female-oriented. However, one thing I was able to walk home with was the Speak Now album on vinyl. Oh, that's a nice, that was yeah, that's definitely a main one in my collection, and I also obviously purchased the red one. I wish she had the other ones previous to that, maybe back issues. My thing about the vinyl is the technical aspect, where the needle is vibrating and actually producing that sound, so it's actually little ways different every single time you listen to it. Like, digital is going to be the same every single time, because it's the same file. Well, vinyl just sounds so much better anyway, because it's an uncompressed file. It's the full audio. Oh yeah, but I'm telling you, what, what, what gets me about vinyl, though, is the fact that it's like a mechanical production of a song. I love the way it's recorded. Um, and it's actually the imperfections of things that actually make you think they're perfect. Yeah. And that's kind of almost a Taylor Swift thing. Like, you know, when she does her awkward dancing, we love it. Awkward. You know, it's like we we think it's flawless. You know, that's that's the kind of craziness of it. Well, we relate to it. It's it's flavorful because at Taylor Swift, we, uh, we, we, we know, okay, she's been there. She's posing. She's like a model. She's holding her Grammys. Oops, one Grammy fell. And you know that the face she makes is, pri- is priceless, basically, right? So it's those little flaws that actually kind of like add flavor to Taylor because we know she's a complete person, not just, you know, a face. Or a voice. Mm-hmm. She's a pretty face and a pretty voice. <laughs> Speaking of our tour experience, I, I don't know about you, Stephen, uh, Augustine, and Eric. You weren't at a Speak Now show, sadly. You would have enjoyed it. But I was handed several, which this made, this made me feel, if anything at that concert made me feel awkward, it was the fact that I was handed several samples of CoverGirl lipstick. Nice. <laughs> uh, why these Why these promoters kept coming up to me and giving me lipstick, I'm not sure. I, I don't think I give off that vibe like the lipstick-wearing guy. So but... eventually what you're telling us is you gave in, though, and you quite enjoyed the cover girl. You think it's a great brand and that Taylor was right with aligning herself with them, right? That is what I'm saying, except for the <laughs> fact that their promoters give out lipstick to males. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I didn't get anything, I they just saw me and oh no, you're a guy. Come on. I got I got a free wonder strike. Augustine, they sample. they must have thought you were a chaperone dad. <laughs> well, in my oh. case, you know the way that I'm dressed, I usually they think I'm a security guard. <laughs> yeah, you were in a tuxedo, right? Uh, not a tuxedo, just a suit. But yeah. Huh. Security guard written all over you. Yeah, they always think I'm a security guard and I have to, to explain them I'm not. Which I should stop doing and say, Yeah, I'm a security guard, let me in. Yeah. But... Yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> I need to go backstage right now to ensure Taylor Swift's safety. Now. There you go. There you go. There's the plan. And here's my poster board that I want her to sign. But yes, her safety. <laughs> <laughs> Gave myself away at the same time. But anyway, what I was getting to now is uh, obviously she has this deal now with Coca-Cola, specifically Diet Coke. Um. And they're going to be sponsoring the tour, I believe, as opposed to Cover Girls. So... <sighs> I mean, are you guys excited about the fact that they're probably going to have, you know, where they had stations set up before on the Speak Now tour where they would do your makeup for you and give you a makeover? What? They're going to be doing cool, like, Coke-sponsored activities. They're going to give you Diet Coke. Which is better than 
you know, something that we couldn't take part in is, is being Guy Swifty. So, you know, to that perspective, it's a good thing. But it's thing. Diet Coke. Yeah. yeah, I have my own issues with Diet Soda, but, I mean, the activities that Coke typically is going to plan are going to be very cool. Yeah, well, hopefully there will be just more than just handing out. Like, there could be, like, you know, pictures and picture taken, and, and, and they'll have, like, some sort of station in which you can play, like, little games related to Coke. So that might be uh, more of a plus for us guys, because we will be able to participate in which the cover girl... I'm know. envisioning, like, a Diet Coke slip and slide or something. That'd be cool. <laughs> That'd be cool, yeah. I'd do that. Something physical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or actually, maybe the Coke marketing people are, like, listening to this... Uh podcast and going oh that's cool. have to do that now. it would be sticky i don't know if they're <laughs> listing although you never know actually out of nowhere somebody when taylor first announced this diet coke sponsorship i got a press release from coke's like publicity manager or something announcing it and mm. i was like how do they find me i'm just a little guy so uh adam actually i i got the same press release i think we probably uh, they search for a lot of sites related to Taylor Swift fans, and they 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 found us. So, good on them. That, that's pretty cool. So maybe they do listen. It'd be nice to get hooked up with Diet Coke. Just have like a six pack delivered to your door. That'd be awesome. Eric, we are not encouraging the consumption of diet soda. Oh, oh, maybe maybe Dasani water. That's a that's a Coke. There product. you go, Dasani uh, water. There you go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Even though I I believe that most of the people in the agency drink what smart smart water. I believe. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Hmm. Grant has mentioned smart water. Mm-hmm. If if Coke wants to hook me up with like regular a regular stream of like Monster Energy drinks, I'd be fine with that as well. Oh, so that's safe, but Diet Coke. <laughs> no, no, it's not. But when it, when you slept for only a couple hours and then you have to go to a twelve hour workday, trust me, that Monster is highly beneficial, more so than Diet Coke. Well, there's or that. when you've uh, slept a little bit and just have to go to a Tyler Swift concert, <laughs> probably helps as well. <laughs> that too so the million dollar question while we're in this guy mode the walking around grunting uh, uh, uh. i'm still waiting for the uh the background noises of monster trucks and power tools though I, can you add that later on these tracks of course i could but i'm not going to it requires too much effort <laughs> so here's the million dollar question on the mind of every female swifty out there here we go posed towards male Swifties. Do you like Taylor for her music or because she's hot? Can it be both? That's a good sure, question. It could be both. Yeah. I think it's both for me. Let, let's just put it this way. I heard her music on the radio before I saw her in person. There you go. So, and you responded to it. Right. This is true. We're just talking about enjoying music. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are many talented people that are of any ages, you know, from being very young to very old. And, you know, music is actually one of those universal things that really age doesn't have to, you know, say, oh, that they're this age, so they're talking about this age group, that it doesn't apply to us. And that's a big part of it. I mean, even now, I mean, if Taylor is, you know, putting out a song, she's still not the same age as many of the people that are listening to that music. Mm-hmm. I'll agree with that. I also mentioned that, really, for me, I don't find necessarily her hot in the sense of attractive in the sense i find her because i'm a little bit even more of age than steve i find her like a little bit of a of of the sister that you kind of like push in front of the stage and then you are you are so happy that she actually does good kind of thing right oh yeah i 
I think of her a little bit more like yeah, and to the sister, even even to the point of to the sister that that kind of annoying sister, but she, that she's annoying in a good way. You're like ah <laughs> oh, yeah yeah, you're a goof, but you're still cool, you know. Yeah. And uh, that's actually I like her because of her music. Mainly, it's for me, it's because of her talent. To the point that I've had to actually tell people, because people immediately assume if you're a guy. Sometimes, well, not immediately. Some people do. They assume, like, oh yeah, tell us, oh yeah, you like her. Yeah, sure, you like her because of her music. No, it, dude, it is because of her music. Because if we're talking about just looks, then uh, we're talking. About, there's a lot of talented-looking people that are getting deals and stuff that I don't care about, you know. Mm-hmm. And you want you want to actually. Uh, here, you want other people to sh- to hear her music. It comes to that point. You say, okay, well, I yeah, I know, I've heard that that song. You belong with me a, a, a million times. Okay, have you ever heard, listened to Haunted? What's that? Okay, you have to listen to this, you know, because you want her talent first, right? She is a good-looking girl, and I'm happy for her. And I do think she she looks hot, but I don't think that's what keeps me as a fan. I yeah. think it's the talent and the music that keeps me coming back. I think that's fair to say, and I don't want to seem superficial by saying can it be both, you know, because she's hot. I think part of what makes her hot is her music um, and her drive and her talent. That's what makes her attractive to me. Sure, she looks good, but she's got a great voice and she knows how to use it. And I think she's going places. And that's what's most attractive, I think. An interesting point that, Augustine, you brought up is that little sister thing. Because I've actually felt that before. I'm like, like if the media attacks her, I almost feel protective as if it's a little sister. Yes, yes. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Uh, that's why I started putting ninjas on my blocks. <laughs> I'm with you there. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody in this chat is older than Taylor. So we're a bunch of old guys that listen to Taylor Way to Swift out me, music. Adam. Jeez, now you're throwing me under the bus. Well, Eric, you could have been the kid on the show, but you actually are the kid on the show technically, but you happen to be pretty close in age to me anyway. Hmm. But what's interesting with me is why I like Taylor has, I mean, her music and the fact that she's hot are actually secondary for me. What originally attracted me to Taylor in the first place was her personality. The reason I became a Taylor Swift fan in the first place, which I don't think I ever answered this when I posed the question to you guys, was an old interview with her in USA Weekend, I think it's called. You know that insert in the Sunday newspaper? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there was an interview, and it just told a brief story, which I won't get too in-depth into. But apparently when she was driving through Nashville one time, she saw a girl wearing uh, a Fearless Tour t-shirt. And Taylor actually took the time to make a U-turn, follow this girl into like some video game store or something like that, and go up to her and say, I just wanted to say hi to you. And no celebrities do that. None of them. I've never heard of anybody doing that. And that's the moment that, that was literally actually the moment where I first conceptualized the fan site, the podcast, everything that exists that I've created was started with that moment when I read that article. You know, that could have been me in that shirt with her her fearless tee. If only her marketing department would make a male fearless t-shirt. Man, Taylor Swift could have made a U-turn for me. No, actually she would. Uh, just so you know, she does make, there are male versions of each of the t-shirts. Oh, okay. Including the red one. I know, I have it. <laughs> You know, I have a couple red shirts as well, uh, and I typically wear them as, like, graphic tees under, like, a zipper hoodie that I'll leave the zipper down a little bit on. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's how I wear it, so it's, like, half covered, but kind of half, like, if you recognize it, that means you're a true Swifty. There you go. There you go. Nice. And I do uh, the same thing, Adam, so I'm with you there. 
Yeah, I don't uh, strut around in the tail strip. I actually wore one in an airport once, and uh, when going through security, they made me take my jacket off, <laughs> and I was like, oh, jeez, oh, boy. I'm exposed in my Taylor Swift T-shirt right now in the middle of an airport. Mm-hmm. But but what's wrong with that though? That's the thing. You were saying before about how that didn't matter what you know people thought about that kind of stuff. You know, like for instance, buying the magazines, the, the female magazines. But wearing a Taylor Swift shirt, you do seem to have some sort of problem. With no, 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 it no, doesn't no, no. matter that much. What it comes down to is while they are a male cut T-shirt, the designs are still kind of feminine. Well, depends, because there are some of them, like uh, the dark one from Haunted or the original, you know, Swift, in which the letters are a little bit, uh, a little bit like gang, <laughs> like gang graffiti kind of written, that are pretty cool, that are pretty cool for guys to wear. I'm talking about like that bright red t-shirt that you don't wash with anything else because it will turn pink <laughs> kind, of, <laughs> kind of shirt. That's the one that you actually, you're like, okay, this is too loud. <laughs> Those are the ones. But rather than that, I use the other ones without a problem. The red one is like, okay, this is pajama wear kind of thing. It's good that she doesn't mess around. When she says something's red, it's red. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so red that it, it comes off in the wash, and your wash is pink. I love it. So thanks, guys, for all that insight into the psyche of a male Swifty. I'm sure a lot of the listeners appreciate that because – I, I don't know. I think we covered a lot of questions that female Swifties probably have for male Swifties as to why they are Swifties in the first place. But as we always do on the show, we got to have discussions about what's going on in the Swifty world right now. And the talk of the town is that Vanity Fair article, which I'm sure you guys have read already. Like we mentioned in the new segment, Taylor's on the cover of the April issue of Vanity Fair. And there are some little bits of controversy that we can probably pull out of there including a very significant quote from Taylor that she actually quoted, um, who was it, Katie Couric in the first place, saying, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. And what it seems like right now is that everybody is attributing that to the Tina Fey and Amy Poehler skit that they they did at the Golden Globes where they kind of ripped on Taylor a little bit, made a joke at her. But I am not so sure that quote was directed at the two comedians. Well, uh, real quick, uh, I just wanted to mention something, Adam. Um, it, the quote is not from Katie Couric. Uh, Katie Couric loves that quote. Right. It's actually a Madeleine Albright quote, the sec- former Secretary of State. Okay. So I appreciate the correction. And I, I'll just mention, and this is going to be another shameless plug because I've actually done a, my mini editorial rant on it but yeah it, it, it's funny the the context of it is pretty vague and now that uh, i believe that it's steve that has the magazine we can probably establish it at least as vague as the magazine has it because the perfect way would be to have like you know video of how it the question was made to find out if actually taylor was responding to mean girls in general as, the, as that quote starts uh as the context starts saying, or uh, specifically to uh, the joke between Tina and uh, Amy at the uh, Golden Globes. Right. So, I mean, there, there's different pieces of that. The first off is, is it directed directly at them? And I don't think it is. It was kind of more of a, they talked about that particular moment about what Tina and Amy said. And then just in talking about mean girls in general, and Taylor brought up the what Katie Couric thought was one of her favorite quotes from Madeleine Albright, the former Secretary of State, 
that there's a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. So it's so convoluted, it's not even funny because it's like, it's everybody's saying it's Taylor's quote practically. Anytime you see it in any sort of media, they're always referring to, oh, Taylor said this particular quote, but it's not her quote. It's Madeleine Albright's quote that Katie Couric likes that Taylor mentioned in an interview that she did at the Golden Globes. Yeah, and uh, to tell you the truth, uh, it's funny because other sites have actually started saying, okay, what's the context? Because we want to know. And I, I found it even surprising that a couple of sites actually stood up and say, you know what, we don't know exactly which was the question mentioned. On the other hand, if you look at the quote, there's a special place in hell, it doesn't say there's a special place in hell for Tina and Amy. It says special place for women who doesn't help other women. That's, I believe, the way that I interpret it, and, then, and perhaps I'm making excuses for Taylor, but it's basically saying, well, if they meant something, then, then it's up to them. Right? In other words, it's kind of a very karma-like quote, if you see it. But unfortunately, it's now getting interpreted as that. I don't necessarily think that Taylor meant it straight at them. Because even during the show, I, you could tell, number one, she has always said that she likes Tina, Tina Fey. And she has, and, and even during the, the Golden Globe, she, I, you guys remember that little scene when, which Amy Poehler is kind of like pretending to be someone nominated. And uh, Taylor is behind and just pats her on the shoulder very lovingly. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that. But I, I do believe that she would never say that. On the other hand, I will add to, the, to this before I let everybody else speak. In the quote... If she, if she would actually go after after somebody, is she really going to involve Katie Couric? Really? She would have never mentioned her name. But I don't think that is so unlike Taylor to actually go in and not only speak directly in, in a hellish quote against somebody who made a joke at her, but also to involve a friend of hers. To top it off, uh, if, you, if you actually look further in the article, and Steve can actually see this, is, uh, is a, a lot of more quotes on how she laughed usually those jokes off, you know? Yeah, I mean, getting to that, that quote again, that special place in hell for women who don't help other women, I, I, I don't like that quote only because it portrays um, women as being some kind of minority that need to stick together to succeed. But, you know, I, I, I guess the feeling of camaraderie among colleagues or really anybody is true and that people who are trying to get other people down people who don't want to see other people succeed should be ridiculed um so if that is what taylor swift meant then that is what i'll take that's how i'll take that quote you know like if people are trying to hold her back people are saying i I read recently the michael j fox thing about taylor too and i'm thinking all these people are speaking out against taylor like i don't really see how it's her fault and there's another quote in this Vanity Fair article from Taylor, which she says basically that, you know, she – there are slideshows of a dozen guys that I either hugged on a red carpet or met for lunch or wrote a song with, and it's just kind of ridiculous. So, yeah, people are really playing up the – like the inside of Taylor's personal life, and she says, it's why I have to avoid the tablet, tabloid part of our culture because they turn you into a fictional character. And so I just feel bad for Taylor, really. That she's under this close media scrutiny. Something interesting that I have, I, I, that just kind of struck me, is, you know, we're talking about the quote being taken out of context, which I'm 99.9% sure it was, the whole special place in hell for women. However, because of the way it was interpreted, 
it almost has this snowball effect where now Tina Fey and Amy Poehler are responding to that. And that's making news now also. So um, Amy Poehler's response was actually funny. However, both of them, the the general gist of it was that they were just joking with Taylor. They hold no ill will against her. Yep. But since I mentioned Amy Poehler's being funny, I figured I would read it anyway. She said, I feel bad if she was upset. I'm a feminist and she's a young and talented girl. That being said, I do agree I'm going to hell, but for other reasons. Mostly boring tax stuff. Which was funny. You gotta admit, there were really funny. I did enjoy, to tell you the truth, the Golden Globes. I enjoyed a human, and there were worst jokes made on that award show against other people. You know, so I don't, I don't. Uh, one thing I wanted to to actually uh, comment on, and I don't know if this is, has its place, but I do feel that women need to stick together because often enough they're put down. Uh, so I'll, I'll say that to Eric's comment, but I. I think that she wasn't really talking. I mean, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler are, are or at least very well perceived as, as a feminist icons in the sense that comedy is really a hard place for women. Mm-hmm. They're often relegated outside of it. But I also think that Taylor has done a little bit of her bit. I know she has said before she's not a feminist, but she does has brought herself up from strife in the sense of both emotional and also in career-wise, she has made her own career, despite other people saying, oh, no, no, she's just an instrument or whatever. Uh, so I think she's done her bit more of a positive outcome towards uh, the feminist ideal than rather, you know, put women down. Definitely, I would put both Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, and Taylor Swift on the same positive balance, and I like all three. Agreed. So later in the Vanity Fair article, you know, it's got a point where they have where the author has a source that Taylor supposedly authorized to discuss her personal life and her relationship life and everything that went on with Harry Styles and things like that. And I find it very interesting and intriguing that Taylor will not discuss her personal life in interviews or with fans or otherwise, but she supposedly authorized someone else to. Like, why would she do that like i i don't know how credible this source is as a result of that oh i get it i mean first of all the source in this article isn't revealing anything huge um but i think it's taylor's anxiety earlier in the article about expressing herself to the tabloids and things like this it's all right but with the tabloids with the press it's almost like you're damned if you do damned if you don't she needed to authorize somebody she wouldn't talk about it herself because then it's taylor swift said this taylor swift said that right and it's blown out of proportion all that much, you know, closer. To authorize somebody else to say, yes, this happened, yes, that happened, she dated it, like, to just to state the facts, just the facts, is necessary because then, you know that thing that you must have seen if you read the paper or if you read any article um, that purports to be actual real news, there's this phrase they use that says, you know, an agent for blind, blind, blank, so-and-so was unavailable for comment or did not immediately return a comment. That, to me, is, like, libelous and tries to shed some kind of negative light on people if they don't talk about what these journalists want them to talk about. And so I think it's absolutely necessary for Taylor to designate that somebody answers these questions that these reporters are asking about, you know, even if it's not her. Because if they don't, if she doesn't, if she just completely shuts out the media, they're going to get indignant and they're going to be talking even more things down on her. And I, I don't think that's right. Well, here's the thing, though, Eric, is, you know, my degree is actually in journalism and media studies. I'm not a practicing journalist, but I have studied it quite a bit. 
And one of the big overarching lessons that we had to learn was don't trust an anonymous source. And in this case, it's an anonymous source speaking on behalf of Taylor saying Harry Styles did this, Harry did that, Harry did this, Harry did that, right? Putting Harry down, putting him in a negative light. Now, Harry Styles did have a representative that was named Benny Tarantini from Columbia Records. I hope I said that name right. I I doubt it, though. That came out and said everything that Taylor's source claims is undeniably false, in quotes. That was said, in quotes, coming from an actual person, and just my background kind of leans me towards believing an identified source versus an anonymous source. I get that, but then you got to look down on Vanity Fair for including hearsay or including this BS from some anonymous source. They're stirring the pot. They're just creating content that they can sell in their art in their magazine by having an extra paragraph. You know, did somebody get paid by the word? Let's go find all these anonymous sources and get them to comment on, you know, Taylor Swift's love life. Like I just look down on the media so heavily for even including something that wouldn't be that credible. Uh, I don't know what it means. Gossip is not for me. You know, I can't I can't read these long drooling paragraphs about so and so said this about so and so, and it's just to me I don't eat it up. I'm, I'm like, I don't I don't live off of it. I have a real life of my own to get back to. So I try not Good. to pay too much attention to this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like at the end of the day, you like her music or you don't like her music, and exactly. you know to be a consumer to. To choose to to purchase her music or to to see her in concert is based on how you feel and how her music makes you feel and if it reaches you or it doesn't. Yeah, it, for me, it's just doing a, some rumor control that I usually only do after things blow up out of proportion and I get questions on the subject. Oh, exactly, and, and it makes perfect sense that you would have to read these articles because that's you know you've taken that as, as part of your job and you got to be aware of what is being said and is being published. You know, that's the problem. It's almost like you're having to be accountable for what all these other people are publishing. It's true, but at the same time, uh, I, I mean, myself, and I do a shameless plug here, I try on my blog to avoid the gossip until I have to deal with it, right? Yes. Another, sometimes it goes away. Hopefully this will go away eventually. See, I don't know how soon it'll go away because this happens to be published in a massive source, like yeah. a massive outlet, the magazine. Yeah, that was wishful thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're definitely, I mean, it, as you said, you do do the uh, rumor control once facts have come out, and I think you're definitely going to have to do that at some point. But, I mean, my main point to that was that it's very difficult to trust Taylor's side of the story when it comes from an anonymous source versus Harry's side of the story, which comes from a named source from Columbia Records. True. That makes it difficult for me. Because I want to believe Taylor. I like her a lot better than Harry. But, you know... I, I don't know what actually happened, and none of us do. So yeah, it's people's personal relationships being talked about by their agents or publicists and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, let let people live, man. This is terrible. I can't I can't read much more of this, you know. But that's that's what uh, it's all about when it comes to magazines. The sensationalizing of things is what the majority of people seem to to strive for, or you know, reach. Do you for, think it hurts though... Taylor, or do you think it helps her? Do you think it actually raises publicity? Is is bad news good news? Well, that's one of the things they always say. What that there's no such thing as bad publicity, and you know, having your name out there just makes it, uh, you know, something that everybody's going to know you that much more. I, I think to this point in time, though, you know, Taylor's reached a very large audience that I don't know if she's really going to be benefiting 
from any more people. I mean, I would say the majority of people, at least in this country or at least throughout some other areas of the world, are familiar. They know who she is. They know her music. They know, you know, what she writes about, that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. Well, she sold, what, like about 5 million or so copies of Red? There's uh, 7 billion people on the planet, so she's got a few billion to go. She needs to tour through Africa. <laughs> but, I mean, she did do a world tour there with the Speak Now tour, so, you know, it's she has hit a large chunk of the world may she have as big of a following in other countries probably not but her name is out there throughout the Mm -hmm. world so i mean it just might not be worth her time to give more interviews like this to vanity fair where they have all these unsighted sources and talk about her person i I don't i don't think it's beneficial yeah i agree with that i I think it accomplishes personal goals for taylor though like when she did the the cover of vogue that was like, oh my gosh, I'm on Vogue. Like, she grew up reading Vogue and whatever, and, you know, that's a girl's dream. Mm-hmm. So I think it has part to do with that as well. Right, but the other part is you can't be anti-media, though, either, because if you go to be anti-media, then at that point in time that they're going to brew up their own stories and their own versions of it, at least if you go out there, you have a chance to do a little damage control, mm-hmm. get your picture on a magazine and other things like that. So. Being against the media is definitely not the right answer either. That's I mean, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. That's exactly it. One last thought that I had reading this, and I wanted to see if you guys had the same thought. You know, we were speaking earlier, we always speculate on who Taylor's songs are about. After getting some of the information from this article, do you guys feel that I Knew You Were Trouble is about Harry? You know, I called him Prince Harry earlier in this episode. Now, of course, I know you mean (laughs) Harry Styles. Um, Not that I know who that is. I probably know who Prince Harry is and not Harry Styles. I don't know, dude. I'm not going to, like, speculate. I don't don't know. I I mean, the the problem is this album came out in, what was it, October? Yeah. And we really didn't know much of their relationship until it was actually pretty much New Year's. And actually even slightly before that, more through the summer, she had her relationship with Connor Kennedy. So how could she write it, put it on the album in such a short period of time? I don't think so. I still, I personally think it couldn't be another one about John Mayer, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I, I would agree with Steve in that. And basically because of the timing, the album gets ready a long time before it gets released. You know, it's uh, there has to be a lot of things before it gets released. So I don't think she, she, she pulled uh, forever and always for this one. And fans will know what I mean with that. Uh, I don't think it was a last a last minute song. That's what I think. I think it, she has been deal. She has been uh, writing a lot of before that the album was completed, and that was a long time before. Uh, you know, no direction. I'm sorry. No one direction was no direction. Uh, famous. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's how. That's how I've called them a couple of times. But it's always accidental. Believe me, I never meant to call them <laughs> purely uh, accidental. Of course. Yes, purely accidental. Incidental, accidental, whatever. But I do expect to see a song related to him in some way, shape, or form on whatever the next album will be because there was even a tweet that Taylor did after um, what they were um, cruising you know, on a ship there or whatever, and when she left, she mentioned that she was going back to the studio right after that when it seemed like their relationship was over. So yep. I, I definitely think that there will be a song, but it will be on her next album here in probably about two years i agree 100 percent. yeah what does that say about taylor though i mean come on getting back into i guess that she writes about all her breakups and she's been scrutinized for that does there have to be a song about harry styles i mean 
I get it. There doesn't have to be, but Taylor writes about what she's feeling, and if she's feeling something about him, she's going to write about it. It isn't necessarily going to be on the album, though, because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I believe she writes something, writes and records something like nearly 40 or 50 songs per album and then narrows it down. That sounds about right. Yes, and I will also say that she doesn't necessarily have to write about a relationship, but she has to write if she has a song in mind. Mm-hmm. And most often than not, she has learned to cope with uh, with strong feelings, not necessarily breaks up, that could be even, even starts of relationships, by coming up with songs in her head. And the moment that a song uh, comes up in her imagination, she is like, I have to go to the studio. So although it was not be a, it's not because I broke up with Harry, now I have to write a song about it, it's just that she's dealing with strongest emotions, then she gets this idea of a song in, his hand, in, in her head, and she gets a hook, she gets whatever. And she has to write it down. Mm. And I completely see her doing that after this. And I see a little bit of, you know, I think the media kind of drives it that she purposely goes into relationships so that she can write a song about it in the future, which is definitely not the truth at all. Yeah, I wouldn't. That's a hell of an accusation. Like, who who has the ball, who had the balls to first publish that accusation? Seriously. I've heard people say that to me to my face. I've heard I've it, had, too. Yeah. yeah. It's very unfair. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, girl power. Let's just say that. <laughs> go, Taylor. Girl power from the all-guys panel. Yeah. There you yeah. go. There you go. <laughs> Taylor, you go, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm doing the C thing, although very awkwardly. Awesome. Well, this episode is getting to be very, very, very long. I thought it was an entertaining episode, and I really appreciate you guys joining me for it. I hope you'll join me again in the future sometime. It's been an honor to speak with fellow males, get some more testosterone on this show as I alluded to in the last episode which apparently steve was the only listener in the world that actually noticed that foreshadowing (laughs) he had an unfair advantage because you had already asked us to be on an all-male show and none of the listeners could see that coming but that was i think you know that's that's because you told us about it adam that's true, but I really do appreciate you guys coming on and uh, taking and some time out on your Sunday. Yeah, we'd love to be yes, back. Thanks a lot, I though. think I would encourage your listeners, if I can, just to, you know, if they want other things, if they want to, if they want us to answer their other questions, you know, maybe to send them in somehow to you, Adam, and then you can decide whether or not there's enough content for another all-male episode. I'd love to come back. This has been a lot of fun. Well, actually, perhaps it will be a... Uh... A definite possibility in the future because, like I said, the next two weeks I'm going to be in Panama. So the next two episodes after this one are going to be all female. So sometime in the future it'll definitely be justified. I mean, I hope everybody out there liked it. Obviously, we got to wait for the feedback to come in to see if you guys are likable or not. But you know, <laughs> I think go. I think you're very likable. It's a coin toss. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of segments that are great on this show. One of my favorites being what what Swifties are listening to in terms of music, because I think that's one of my favorite parts about, in general, just uh, talking on on Twitter and uh, just trying to find out what music Taylor fans are listening to, what does Taylor like. And really, I've actually started listening to probably 30, 40 different new artists since joining on Twitter and going on the uh, Speak Now tour. Oh, definitely. That's really cool. So, um, if listeners, if you guys have any desire, hopefully you do, I hope you have a desire to contact some of our other males here. You can follow all three of them on Twitter. Augustine, you can follow at the Swift Agency, at the Swift Agency on Twitter. Uh, Steve, you are at Steve Ditch, and Eric is at Spielerman. 
we're going to start following all three of them from the Taylor Talk account. So if you're already following us, just go see who we're following, and you'll be able to find them pretty easily that way. Go talk to them. They're fun guys. They actually respond on Twitter. It's the weirdest thing. We do. Most people occasionally. And, yeah, but I'm... a lot of the content that um, I would cover, I'm probably, I'd say, 75% of all my tweets are related to Taylor. So, you know, anything that people want to ask me or, you know, I, a lot of Nashville information, too, <laughs> just hit me up. Yep, Steve's your guy there. And I have a little blog uh, that I might want to mention. <laughs> <laughs> the swiftagency.com if you ever feel like you know reading stuff on taylor swift go ahead which of course will be linked to in our episode guide we're actually linked to you in a couple different places on uh, taylortalk.org oh thank you very much i link to you as well yeah you guys can find him around our site <laughs> uh and of course if you want to contact us you have the various ways of contacting us you can email us taylortalk at taylorswift13.org Tweet us, Facebook us, or Taylor. Connect us at TaylorTalk13. Or you can leave us a voicemail to area code 240-31-SWIFT or directly on the website. And that phone number actually accepts text messages as well. So if you want to text us, feel free to do so. We're going to resume the mini-segments next episode, so get those in whenever you get a chance. And for episode 54, this has been uh, All of Us Guys. I'm Adam. If you guys want to sign off yourself. Augustine. Steve. Eric. Eric, like, has this whole best for last mentality, so he's like, oh, I'm the best, I must No, that's not true at all. First is the worst, second is the best, third, uh, I don't know how that goes. I'm Eric. Third is the, <laughs> the nerd with the hairy chest. I, I demand you to, uh, just put mine in, because I didn't say and, I'm Eric. Uh, just put it in wherever. Surprise me. I don't care what order we go in. I'm Eric. Oh, no, you're gonna be last. I'm Eric. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, have a great week, guys. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Bye-bye. See ya. Bye. Well, guys, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. That is probably my favorite episode of all time in the history of Taylor Talkin'. Um, just on one last note, obviously because it is so old, it's like two and a half years old, some of those, the information at the end was a little bit outdated, the contact information and things like that. So for all the most updated ways that you can contact us, visit taylortalk.org slash contact. And thank you guys so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please, guys, remember to hit that subscribe button in iTunes. That way you get every new episode downloaded right to your iTunes library as soon as it comes out. And please, if you love the show, give us a nice little rating and review on iTunes. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, even if there's areas you think that we could improve, definitely just give us a review on iTunes and let us know. All right? Thanks, guys. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. This podcast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift.